Hello and welcome to MYP Decoded. In this series of podcasts, we aim to do what it says on the tin. Parts of the Middle Years program can tend to be a little confusing. So in these chats, we hope to demystify and explain aspects of the program in some detail. The podcasts are aimed at current or future MYP parents, educators who are interested in finding out more about the IB world, and teachers new to the MYP. I'm Vaughan Kitson. If you'd like to comment or inquire about any aspects of these podcasts, please contact me on LinkedIn or send me an email. Details can be found in the episode description. I'd love to refer to any feedback in future episodes. And of course, please subscribe and share this if you like what you hear. Welcome to episode three. This is a short one, but full of ideas which hopefully clarify more about metacognition and its close ties with the IB ways of thinking. It's the second part of our discussion on metacognition and self-regulated learning. A reminder that my guest is Aoife Abushakra, and we'll continue to include in our discussion some findings from two articles. You can find the details in the episode notes. Welcome back, Aoife. Thanks for having me back on. We have plenty more to discuss today, don't we? Indeed. How's your week been? Busy. Our grade 11 students have had their mock exams. I've been invigilating and staring at that clock. Indeed. And of course, we've been keeping a, a little bit of an eye on the COVID situation, unfortunately, because in Abu Dhabi, there are a few schools that have gone completely online. So hopefully we can push it a little bit further with a lot going on at the moment. Right. Anyway, should we, should we get cracking then? Yes. What are we looking at today? Okay. Um, let's turn our attention briefly to a term which you are certainly familiar with as a TOK teacher and coordinator, and that is epistemology. Perhaps you could explain in a nutshell what is meant by the term. Well, besides being a rather difficult word to pronounce, epistemology refers to the branch of philosophy that attempts to provide a systematic account of the following. What is it to know? How we know? And how much we know? So theory of knowledge classes in DP center around these same questions. In fact, we actually regularly return to that key question, how do we know what we know? Um, in TOK, our students, they're invited to reflect upon knowledge that they gathered throughout their years in school and to analyze themselves as knowers. And that's actually where we start the course in DP1 with a focus on the core theme of knowledge and the knower. And in a multicultural uh, school such as ours, TOK class discussions, they often take interesting turns as they center around discussions of challenging where our inherent biases come from and acknowledging how we are influenced by the various knowledge communities that we belong to. Okay. It always makes me think of that Friends episode. How do they know we know they know we know or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> nice <laughs> I probably pop messed reference, it up, pop culture reference go. for Excellent. your listeners. Okay, so it's clear from research and our own experiences that epistemological beliefs vary widely between and within countries. And this suggests that there are significant differences in how metacognition affects the learning process in different parts of the world. So I guess at the most fundamental level, the difference between students who regard learning as a quick process versus those who believe learning should be challenging and involve struggle certainly illustrates two fairly opposite schools of thought. Oh, yes. I've certainly seen both perspectives in my own classes. What's interesting to consider is that in many IB World schools, there are students from literally everywhere. 
And with that, we have to consider the individual approach of our students. You can usually tell fairly quickly if a student has previously been in a similar international school or they have arrived from a state system somewhere um, where rote learning or heavily teacher-led instruction was de rigueur. So from there, it's essential that the conversations between student and teacher and oftentimes their parents too, they can help to pave the way for a more successful experience in the IB system. Oh, absolutely. It can at times be a fun challenge while other times it's like banging your head against a wall. I won't be controversial here and highlight any specific educational systems. Part of the problem is, of course, standardized testing. Many national systems have prioritized discrete content knowledge so that they can generate data, largely with regards to so-called proficiency in numeracy and literacy, but at the expense of any sort of higher-order thinking. One positive aspect has come out, though, from the PISA test data in 2015, It shows a positive correlation between metacognitive knowledge and reading comprehension across the 34 OECD countries which were analyzed. This suggests that metacognition is important to the learning process across global contexts, even though the approaches to teaching and learning may differ significantly. So differences exist across countries and cultures, but there are also important similarities. According to Horvathova in 2019, a synthesis of more than 30 educational frameworks from around the world found general agreement that meta-learning, or how we reflect and adapt, is a vital skill for 21st century learning. Learning how to learn is seen as a critical skill for addressing the growing list of unique and complex challenges that are defining the 21st century. The OECD is also taking steps to explicitly prioritize skills in the various educational systems. Specifically, in 2019, there were three types of skills mentioned. These are cognitive and metacognitive skills, social and emotional skills, and practical and physical skills. So to quote the OECD, Metacognitive skills are seen as an increasingly critical competency for individuals who will undoubtedly be challenged to learn new knowledge and skills for jobs that have not been invented yet, or for jobs that will be fundamentally altered due to the effects of globalization, climate change, and technological advances. And as a sort of add-on to this part of the conversation, I'd like to quickly point out something about the GCSEs and the MYP. Often comparisons are made between results of students graduating from the diploma program who went through the MIP compared with those who did the GCSEs or IGCSEs. The MIP does compare favorably, but that is not what I want to focus on here. In the EEF article, there's a table outlining the effectiveness of 10 learning techniques. Each of these 10 techniques is basically focused on preparing students to sit an exam. It is a UK-based report, so GCSEs are mentioned throughout. In contrast, all years of the MIP involve continuous assessment using a huge range of techniques to assess learning. Sitting a timed assessment is an aspect of nearly all the subject groups, but it's only a fraction of the big picture. So in discussing self-regulation, I feel there is far greater potential in the MIP, where students are developing the metacognitive skills associated with research, presentations, performances, explorations, investigations, and yes, tests. Of course, some schools also participate in the e-assessments in MIP5, which is grade 10. For listeners who are interested in 
what different national systems have been doing recently, I'd encourage you to have a look at part two of the policy paper where Singapore, Northern Ireland, New Zealand and Israel's education systems are put under the spotlight a bit. There is certainly a paradigm shift underway. Ooh, that's a TOK buzzword. <laughs> the clear problem that still exists to differing degrees is the apparent need for a national assessment system which doesn't necessarily adequately align with the pursuit of higher order thinking. Right, I'd like to turn our attention to a misconception which is mentioned in the EEF article. That is, that metacognition is a general skill that can be separated from subject knowledge. The clue here is in the word. Without cognition, there is no metacognition. The example supplied relates to teaching students reading comprehension strategies. It is noted that the effects of these strategies are limited if the student in question lacks the required background knowledge of the reading material. Oh, well, this is something we've been working on in MYP English in conjunction with our wonderful teacher librarian and previous guest on this podcast. Uh, since 2017, actually, we've been using Read Theory, an online reading comprehension program, which we support through scheduled read classes. And beyond improving their Lexar level, it encourages them to think critically and engage with a range of texts that they might otherwise ignore. Indeed. And in maths, an example could be a student going through a metacognitive regulation cycle in a unit involving optimization of areas and volumes. So imagine the struggles if the knowledge of the area and volume formulae for the shapes in question aren't known and understood. You asked me at volume. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we finish off this episode by looking at the interplay between metacognition and aspects of the IB programs? So Conley and Lee in 2014-2012 respectively maintain that the IB programs have been identified as models for improving students' metacognitive abilities. So let's look at why this is their summation. Aoife, I know you've had a look at some of the IB documentation. Of course, I did my homework. So in the publication called What is an IB Education? It states that the aim of the ATL framework is to empower IB students of all ages to become self-regulated learners who know how to ask good questions, set effective goals, pursue their aspirations and have the determination to achieve them. Also, the MYP's approach to teaching involves a cycle of inquiry, action and reflection, an interplay of asking, doing and thinking. The metacognitive regulation cycle of planning, monitoring and evaluating fits pretty well here, doesn't it? It does. And what about the program standards and practices? That big guiding document for all IB schools, which serves as a tool for self-evaluation as well as external evaluation. Well, I think it's important to prioritize four of the practices here to illustrate the link to developing self-regulated learners in the MYP. First, we have Lifelong Learners 2.1. Students understand the learner profile and can reflect on it effectively. Lifelong Learners 6.1. Students take opportunities to develop personal learning goals. Uh, lifelong Learner 6.2. Students take opportunities to ask questions and pursue personal inquiries and actions and approaches to teaching 4.2. Students collaborate with teachers and peers to plan, demonstrate and assess their own learning. Thanks. And according to the policy paper, the MIP aligns metacognition closely with reflection, whereas the diploma program positions metacognition more broadly as an overarching thinking skill. 
As an explicit example in the DP, we have the TOK course. Yes, we do. The TOK course requires students to reflect on their knowledge, articulate how they know, what they think they know, and develop strategies for acquiring knowledge in respect to key concepts such as truth, certainty, and justification. In the MYP's main guiding document from principles into practice, you can find the following explanation. The development of metacognitive skills and critical thinking through inquiry in the MYP can help to prepare students for theory of knowledge in the DP, with its more structured focus on understanding how knowing is constructed in human societies. The MYP can provide valuable experiences that help students engage in sophisticated inquiry into questions about the nature limits and value of knowledge. Inquiry-based approaches to teaching encourage students to share ideas with others and to listen to and learn from what others think. In this process, students' thinking and their understanding is shaped and enriched. And of course, we have put a great deal of resources into developing our teachers' confidence and competence when it comes to teaching through inquiry. If we look at assessment for a moment, Formative assessment plays a major role in the MIP. The policy paper suggests that students are more likely to improve their future performance when they reflect on the usefulness of their initial goal, how well they planned, how well different learning strategies worked for them. Um, The process of building formative assessment tasks into the metacognition regulation cycles, which our students are constantly cycling through, is a recipe for success. And we also adhere to another recommendation in the policy paper, which says that students should be provided with opportunities to reflect using different modes of expression that align to their unique assets and cultural background, including oral presentations and artistic expressions such as storytelling, dance, theater, the visual arts or music and sound. While we're on the topic of assessment, can I jump in for a moment? Of course. So each of the MYP subject groups has a set of command terms, which are found within the four assessment objectives. For example, English, which is part of the language and literature subject group, has a whopping 18 command terms. And these range in sophistication from terms like use and select up to more complex processes such as synthesize, justify or critique. The reason I've brought up command terms is because in From Principles into Practice, it states that consistent application of command terms reduces stress and confusion about their meaning and empowers students to manage their own learning and transfer cognitive processes and academic skills. All important stepping stones on their journey to the IB diploma. Brilliant. It does make you think that being an MIP teacher sounds like hard work. There's a lot to think about. And yes, it certainly is intense. But the fact that these aspects such as command terms, skills, formative assessment tasks, not to mention all the other aspects which make up an MIP unit of study, are all part of the fabric, certainly makes the job a rewarding one because you're setting students up for success. Another recommendation in the policy paper to ensure that schools address the entirety of the self-regulated learning process and student motivation is to emphasize student choice and personal relevance, as this can improve students' engagement and motivation. So coming back to one of our two favorite documents, the Program Standards and Practices, there it is in black and white. Approaches to teaching 1.4. Teachers encourage student choice in appropriate places in the curriculum. And there are also at least five or six more practices which refer to building student agency. 
The policy paper goes on to state that all students, regardless of how well they currently use metacognition, should have the confidence to know that with continued practice and support from teachers, peers and parents, they will develop metacognitive knowledge and skills that allow them to become effective lifelong learners. So coming back to the mention of parent involvement, Gonzalez, de Haas and Willems in 2016 maintain that parents have an important role in modeling metacognitive thinking and behavior for students. When metacognitive behavior taught in school is reinforced at home, it sends a signal to students that they are expected to take ownership over their learning wherever they are. So Aoife, how would you advise parents to engage with their children in order to reinforce metacognitive behavior? Well, engage with your child, not just through questions about what assessments are due or what homework is yet to be completed. Those are the when and what questions. Try focusing more on the how and why probing questions to prompt meaningful reflection and goal setting. We recently underwent a reflection and goal setting process across the NYP and and this type of large scale activity stimulates effective conversations between students and their parents. But ideally, this should be happening systematically on a smaller scale throughout the year. Come to think of it, this is actually happening even down in EY in our school. Dialogue between parents and their children about their learning should be fostered from an early age. Absolutely. And probably this past year more than any, these conversations between parent and child have been essential. So I think this wraps things up quite nicely. I hope the information has been useful in these past two episodes. I'm sure it has. It's, it's really useful to pause and reflect properly on something like metacognition. Things move so quickly in education these days. So to have a concept like metacognition firmly understood allows us to move with the times while maintaining a solid focus on what's actually going on in the learning process for the young people in our care. Well said. Aoife, thanks so much for going on this journey with me. Anytime. I hope I can eventually convince you to come join the discussion over on my podcast, Talk the Talk. Well, I'm actually quite easy to convince. Just supply caffeine and I am there. Right. Thanks so much for listening. Keep an eye out for the next episode. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to MYP Decoded. Please subscribe to be informed of upcoming episodes. And thank you to Yashas Acharya for all the clever behind-the-scenes technical operations. Until next time, goodbye.